We are in the second to the last sermon of our Becoming Wise series. And next week, Karen Graves, our new children and family ministry director, will be leading us in that final um, opening of the word in the book of Proverbs. And so we really want you to come and really support her. It's her first time preaching to our congregation. And so we want you to come and listen to what she has to say. She's an ordained and commissioned minister of the gospel who's been working in chaplaincy, but we are so excited that she's here now and just building up our children's program and our family ministry once again. So make sure that you come next week to support her. Um, That's going to be important. But we're coming close to the close of this series in Proverbs. Now, it's certainly not the end of Proverbs. There's a lot more happening within the book of Proverbs, and so you need to continue to keep reading it. But our next series, which is actually going to start on the 28th, is going to be um, a series called Manifesto on the book of Colossians. Now, we're doing something a little bit different for this series. Um, What we're doing is we've created a series guide for that whole series. So I think it's something like 66 days or so of devotionals that will be had for every single day, um, study for the sermons that go along with the sermons, all that type of thing. So we'll be making that available hopefully on the 28th. And so then you can follow along and your small groups can use it if you have small groups. And it's a great time to start small groups for that whole series that will take us into the Christmas season. And so be, be mindful of that. That's coming on the 28th. And all of our campuses will be doing the same thing. On the 21st, Crosswalk Chattanooga will be going to two services. So we want you to keep that in their prayers. They're full up again today. Um, and so that's really exciting. But they're going to be going along with us. So there's going to be people all over this country and all over this world that will be studying the book of Colossians together. And so we're really excited about that. But as we... As we come to the end of this series, I think a question that is is reasonable to ask is, how do we stay focused on becoming wise? Because we've spent some time thinking about wisdom, and so maybe in your head over the last few weeks and months here, the idea of wisdom is kind of deeply implanted within you. But, you know, you're going to get distracted. You're going to think about other things, and then you're going to forget that wisdom is something that we all need to be striving for. And so we're going to take a look at the uh, chapter 4 today, but we're going to start on verse 20. The first 19 verses um, are kind of a reiteration of what we've been hearing before. And so I thought we'd start in verse 20 because there's some questions that we're going to ask that I think are relevant to keeping focused on becoming wise. It starts like this in verse 20. It says, my child, again, that intimacy that the author has um, coming from God to his children. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. So how do you choose in your life what to focus on? This has been an admonition over four chapters of God saying, hey, you need to listen to this. This is important stuff. Like, I don't want to be a broken record, but you need to hear me. Any of us who have children or animals know that sometimes we sound like a broken record when we're trying to get them to do something or not do something. Am I right? You stop, Hannah, stop, Hannah, Hannah, don't, Hannah, don't, Hannah, Hannah, stop doing that. Don't do that. Hannah. And my daughter was the kind of girl who um, sorry to use you in an illustration, but she was the kind of girl who you'd be like, don't touch that lamp. And she'd go, or what? <laughs> Which I never had an answer to. Because I don't, you know, so you go to the worst, right? Or I'll kill you. I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have any other recourse here. She'd be like, what? 
How is it that you choose? What we do here at the staff, um, as staff here in the month of September is we make everybody download the app Toggle, T-O-G-G-L, which is a, which is a timekeeping app to ha- see what they're doing. So they, everybody has to mark their time on all the different activities that they do throughout um, the workday and that sort of thing. So we can find out what it is that they're focusing on and how long each thing takes. We only do it for one month during the year because they would kill me if we did it for any longer. And I always get questions like, so if I get a phone call, I got to stop the toggle and say that I was on a phone call for 20 minutes and then take it off. And I was like, yes. But then I do it too, and it's horrible. Um, But we do it so we can find out what we're focusing on. Uh, Back in our minimalism series, I think two years ago, we quoted the author Greg McCowan, who wrote the book Essentialism. And and the watchwords that he came up with was this, do less, but better. So in your life, have less, but better. And the same thing is true when we talk about wisdom. I mean, what does this mean when it comes to wisdom? It means that we have to focus on fewer voices in our lives because there's a lot of noise out there. We've got to listen to fewer voices, but better voices. Choose them more wisely in our lives. And Proverbs and all of Scripture should be a priority when it comes to us understanding how important wisdom is in our lives. And in fact, Proverbs 4.21 says it this way, don't lose sight of them, this wisdom that's been given, this counsel that's been given. Let them penetrate deep into your heart putting them well within your heart. And hearts are important because your heart is the source of your attitudes. You see, your attitudes are often the sum of total of your thoughts. And God takes our hearts seriously. Our heart being the source of our attitudes, God takes it seriously. Why does he take it seriously? Or how do we know? Because back in Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, he actually says that he looked into the heart of man and realized there was no good in it. And he's actually disgusted. He, he was regretful that he created man. And this is, of course, the beginning of the story of the flood. I mean, God takes what's going on in our hearts seriously. And that's important. And he wants us to have good wisdom. Why? For they bring to life those who find them. And, and healing to their whole body, says Proverbs. This counsel is life-giving. It's life-affirming. It brings a focus and an encouragement. And then there's this text that we've all heard and we've probably quoted at one time or another. We have a tendency to quote it in terms of relationships. That's not exactly what he was talking about in this particular portion. We find it other places through Scripture. But here in Proverbs, it says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. This is kind of the apex text of this pericope, of this portion that we're studying. And we've heard it many times. Like I said, most of the time it's in the midst of relationship. But here's what's interesting. We look at it and we go, guard our hearts. Okay, what do we need to build around our heart so that nothing can get to it? That's not what we're talking about at all. Because the other way that we can... um, The other way that we can guard our heart or translate that particular verb actually means to watch your heart, pay attention to it, focus on it. So it's not just walling it off. It's not just, you know, it's not just playing defense. It's actually watching over your heart. And the beauty of this translation of this term is that not only are we watching our heart, but God is watching over our heart as well. We're not doing it alone, which is beautiful. So why guard your heart above all else? Why not guard your hands or your eyes or your feet? All those things are important, but guarding your heart for a Hebrew was, for Hebrew thought was that it was, it was 
this is where everything comes from. The source of life comes from. For the Greeks, it's more of the guts. For the Romans, it's the head. But for the Hebrews, it was the heart. This is why we have all those beautiful Psalms. This is why we say David was a man after God's own heart because that's where everything comes from. Because what is central to our heart becomes what we are. Our identity is wrapped up in what our heart focuses on, what it spends its time on. How do we know this? Well, how do you describe yourself? Which is an identity question, right? Father, a mother, maybe your career, a teacher, a professor, a physician, a dentist, a lawyer, a chaplain. These are the things we do, but are they what we are? What our heart focuses on becomes what we are. So how do you guard your heart? Now, the good news is that in these next few verses, what actually happens is Paul says, listen, the, 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 the cure for watching your heart, the things that you need to do are also the benefits that guard your heart. It's a full circle, autocatalytic loop that you can be in when you do the things that it's about to be mentioned here in Scripture. So let's get to it. The first thing that you have to do to guard your heart is have a cautious mouth. That's fascinating. The first thing that you need to do is be careful what you say. What does Luke tell us? Luke tells us that the overflow, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Words matter. In fact, what is in the well will come up in the bucket, as they say, right? Words matter. The words that you say matter. And it says it like this in Proverbs. It says, avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Now, it's easy to go, oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to talk perversely like I don't tell jokes like that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about things that are not on the straight and narrow path, the things that you don't need to be saying. You guard your heart when you have that criticism and you don't say it because it's not going to be helpful. If you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. That's wisdom. That's real, actual wisdom. And have you ever noticed that? Have you ever written that letter where you're really upset? You've written it and then you put it down in your desk drawer and you hold on to it? Two days later, you feel like an idiot for even writing it, don't you? You're like, oh, I'm not going to send that. I'm going to look like a fool. That's wisdom. By being careful with our mouths, we guard our hearts. The second thing that you need is a controlled eye, right? How often do we really take into account? How often do we really take a look at what we're looking at? How do you think about those things that you consume with your eyes? We live in a highly visual society, right? And there are images that are coming at us the whole time. Do you remember the first, the first scary movie you ever saw? Do you remember those images? Do you remember that first porn you ever watched? You can probably pull up those same images. Those things are real, and we guard our hearts by being careful of what we're looking at, not to be distracted by the left or the right, but by focusing on what lies ahead. In fact, in Proverbs 4.25, it says it, look straight ahead, fix your eyes on what lies before you. And by the way, what lies before you is what God has put in your path. So don't be distracted. And this is a tough area, because as we consume, we're changed, but there's so much to look at. What we've got to do is we've got to find better anchor points. Right? We've got to find better way marks to look at in life to know if we're staying on the righteous path. Uh, an, anchor point, an anchor point can simply be expressed as, like when I surf, I'll, I'll surf and I'll find a place on the shore that I can look at to know if I'm, if I'm drifting from where I should be. And I'll always try to swim, paddle back to where I'm across or parallel to that anchor point. A way mark is a, is a sign 
that, that we look at and go, okay, I'm drifting. I need to get back. We need to have better way markers in our lives. So what are the way markings of a righteous journey? Let's just spend a few moments on that. What are the signposts that you need to look out for in order to know if you are staying where God wants you to be? The very first one is surrender. First and foremost, if we're living with a thy will be done kind of life or, or a, a um, seeking first the kingdom of God, as it says in Matthew 6, right? This is the beginning of the journey. The surrender is the beginning of the journey. When my wife and I got married, we spent a week in Hawaii, which was great. We brought her home and then immediately drove out to Michigan, right? Which was not as nice. Um, but I will say this, back, this is before GPS, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have no idea. Like, this is, before, this is before you could just pull up a phone and know where you're going. And those of you who are over 40, like, I'm with you. I got you. What we used to have to do if we were going on a trip is go to AAA and get this thing called a triptych. A triptych. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about right now. Amen. You all have gray hair. Um, um, if it, you had to go get a triptych, which was a map that had been created for you in this little binder that you could move up like this and you'd go 150 miles on the map and then flip it over. And you felt so good because you were moving along in the trip when you'd flip one over and you'd be like, yes, Utah. All right. And then New Mexico. I don't know how to get across the country. I'm from California. I, they don't teach us anything in geography in California. It's us and New York. And there's something in between. We have no idea what... Um, which is not fair, but true. Actually, they tell us where Texas is. And they go, don't go there. They all have guns. Um, anyway, anyway, so, but what you would have to do when you would go on a trip is you'd sit down and you'd surrender to the triptych, right? You'd say, okay, I'm gonna give my life over to this triptych and this is where I'm gonna go. We still do that. We still do that, but now it's a lot more simple. Now we just open up ways, Right? And we go, I'll just go wherever you want me to go. Put in the address and you go there. Right? So we still surrender. This is the beginning of the journey. The beginning of a righteous journey is the surrender that you have to God. That's important. The second way post, the second way marking of a righteous journey is that the secrets of God, are become, they, they begin to be revealed to you. I've been doing a lot of work in Colossians for this series guide. And he keeps talking about the mystery of Christ, the secrets of God that he's revealing. And the reason why he's revealing it is because once you're on that journey, God wants you to know. He wants to light your path. He wants to give you that way. But, but once those secrets are becoming known to you, something else happens. There's a converse to that, which is the secrets that we hold in our heart, those secrets that we don't want anybody to to know, we begin to want to shed those because we don't want our heart filled with anything but God. And so what ends up happening is we start to get rid of those secrets in our lives. So secrets are a waypost, a way marker. When you're beginning to live your life transparently, when you don't have the secrets that you did before, you're on the righteous path. And then something else happens. Then sight. All of a sudden, as the path becomes bright and brighter, you have a different kind of sight. Do you love, do you just love watching those videos of colorblind people put on those glasses? Those are amazing, right? A guy, he's 60 years old, you know, they turn on those glasses and he, he just weeps because he's never seen the world that way before. He's never seen it with that kind of color, with that kind of brilliance, with that kind of vividness. This is the way we begin to see life when we are on the righteous path. Why? Because we don't have to look in the dark places anymore. We don't have to continually hide from the secrets that we've had. All of a sudden, we're living life completely differently, completely and, and transparently. We can see for the first time. This means that you're on the righteous path. But don't think that in this righteous path there's no struggle because struggle is a part of the righteous path. 
Because every time someone else decides, Lord, I'm going to follow you, Satan is not happy. And that struggle that comes through that is, is, is part of the blessing. And I know that's hard to see. But what does Romans tell us in Romans 5? He considers the struggle as nothing because struggle creates perseverance. Perseverance creates character. Character creates hope. And hope doesn't disappoint because it ends up with God. This way marker, if there's no struggle in your life, you're not doing anything. If there's no struggle in your life, you're not accomplishing anything. You're not going anywhere. If you like status quo, then it's hard to follow God because God doesn't believe in the status quo. And so if you think everything should stay the same, you need to check yourself and you need to look at what God, where God is taking you. Oh, and the last one that I love, the way marker that we're on the righteous path, and this is one of my favorite, are the sacred echoes that we begin to hear in our lives. Those serendipitous moments where you go, I can't believe we're singing this song in church. I was just listening to that song, having a struggle going to work on Thursday. And you guys are singing the same song. God may be available in my life all the time. Or you have a conversation with a friend and you're trying to remember a verse and you couldn't remember it. And, and then you come to church and we preach on that verse. This stuff happens all the time, by the way. And you're texting your friend like, oh, it's this verse. You need to check it out. That's the one I was talking about. That is the Holy Spirit creating a sacred echo of the message that God wants you to hear in your life. And when you experience it, you know, you go, whoa, that's weird. That's not weird. That's God. All right? That way marker, that way post, that signpost that God is working in your life, man, you got to be looking for those things. And as you look for those things, of course, you got to want to try and stay on that righteous path. Jumping back into the text, it also says we need a careful foot right? So we've, we've talked about our lips, we've talked about our mouths, we've talked about our ears, but we also need a careful foot. It says it this way, mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Has anybody watched that movie Free Solo? Right, that, that movie, man, that made my palms sweat. This guy free soloing El Capitan. Did you notice the focus that, that, that he had? Did you also notice that, you know, his foot placement was almost more important than his hand placement. And anybody who rock climbs understand this. When you first start rock climbing, you, you like it because it, it's a good workout. And so you start climbing with your arms, right? And you see these people at rock climbing clubs, like they're, they're like, and they don't, they don't use their feet. But real rock climbers know my arms are going to give out quick. So I got to make sure my feet are in the right place because my feet have a lot more strength than my hands and my arms do. If you saw that movie Free Solo, you realize this guy was so focused, not because he was afraid of dying, but because he didn't want to. And so he just simply focused on every move that he had to make. Make straight, make out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. You also need a consecrated ear, right? By listening, we become changed. Sometimes you can't understand this small infinitesimal movement, this small change that you're beginning to have in your heart, but it begins to happen by the things that we hear. Do you, do you remember, like, we get, we get comfortable with certain types of things. I, I was blessed to grow up, um, like, pre-rap and post-rap. I remember the Cherry Hill Gang putting together Rapper's Delight, that seven and a half minute song, the first, kind of argued to be the first rap song. And if you guys remember it, some of you remember it, it's a good song, right? You know, she knows what I'm talking about. Um, 
such a good song. But I remember when it first happened, they're, they're rapping over music and we're like, what's happening? We don't even know what they're saying. We can't even understand. And you listen real close and try and figure out what it was they were saying. Well, the more comfortable we got with certain kinds of sounds, certain kind of hearing, all of a sudden we, we could understand it. This happens here all the time. People who come from very traditional churches walk in and the music hits and they're like, no. Ah! It's just noise. I can't hear the words. Three weeks later, they're like, Snowly, there is no one like you. <laughs> yeah, man. That's what happens. But that's also, by the way, why they don't let me sing anymore. <laughs> my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my counsel. Then you will show discernment, and your lips will express what you've learned. Oh, you see how we just got back to the mouth again? You see, there is this fully autocatalytic loop when we guard our hearts, when we watch our hearts. Those, those, the way that we watch our heart, the process of watching our heart is actually the benefit of watching our heart as well. That we stay on a straight path. That we listen to good things. That we say things worth saying rather than just being full of criticism that we keep our feet on the path and go where we're supposed to be going. There's more and more illustrations for every single one of these, but I think I can leave you with this today. To focus on wisdom means that you're willing to surrender to the words that we see in Scripture, taking them so seriously that you're not just going to quote them out of context, but you're going to begin to delve deeply into the Word of God and what it has for your life. And also, you know, it's important for us to realize that, you know, there's a lot of people and a lot of wisdom that have gone before us that we can listen to. We're not making this up as we go along. This life that we lead, we're not making it up. Many incredible people have lived it before. And so we need to lean on their words. We need to lean on their counsel. We need to lean on the understanding that, that this wisdom that God has left for us is available for us. And we have to stay focused on it. And we focus on it by guarding our hearts. But here's one thing I'm going to add to the mix. That even though Scripture doesn't say, I think it's part of the practical application of it, we have to guard each other's hearts. We have to guard the heart of our loved ones. We have to guard the heart of those in our community. We have to guard their hearts, and we don't do that by playing defense. We do it by carefully watching over them, by knowing the people that we sit next to. And when someone is stumbling, when somebody is falling off that righteous path, we're the ones who reach out and grab them and pull them back because we care enough to actually get involved in somebody's life. We care enough to hold them closely and say, I'm not going to let you go. And I get it. In a big church like this, it's easy to come, look around, not talk to anybody, and leave. But, but that's not community. That's consumption. Community is when we get to know the people next to us. We get to grow with the people next to us. And we learn to guard their hearts as well as we guard our own. You don't get to be a Christian alone. Because you're part of the body of Christ. And this body has to take care of itself. So, so guard your heart and guard the heart of the person next to you. That we might be a community that learns how to stay on the righteous path, surrendering 
having the secrets of God revealed to us, giving us new sight, struggling together with one another, but always listening to the sacred echo that is God speaking to us, whether corporately or individually. May you be wise, and may you continue to become wise. Let's bow our heads. Gracious God, God of wisdom, God of mercy, just want to thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you are doing in this community as we seek to follow the righteous path, Lord. You've created a movement that wants this, not just here, not just in Chattanooga, but wherever you have us. So Lord, may we guard one another's hearts. May we guard our own hearts and may we know that you're watching over as well. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. We pray these things in your holy name, the name of Jesus. Amen.